0: You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is Preserved by His Marvelous Power, and it covers Alma chapters 53 to 63. I really wanted to thank everyone for all of your ratings and reviews last week. I appreciate that. I'd heard somewhere recently that if you have consistent ratings, it'll keep your podcast visible to people who might be looking for it. And I thought, you know, there are so many negative things in the world right now. If we can promote something positive, then let's do it. So I appreciate you helping me do that. This week we have the last 11 more chapters and we make it to the end of Alma, which is pretty exciting and maybe they figured that reading that much was enough this week because there are only two sections of the main lesson. The opening paragraph says, when compared with the Lamanite armies, Helaman's little army of 2,000 young Nephites shouldn't have stood a chance. Besides being few in number, Helaman's soldiers were all very young, and they never had fought. In some ways, their situation might seem familiar to those of us who sometimes feel outnumbered and overwhelmed in our latter-day battle against Satan and the forces of evil in the world but the army of Helaman had some advantages over the Lamanites that had nothing to do with numbers or military skill. They chose Helaman, a prophet, to lead them. They had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them, and they had exceeding faith in that which they had been taught. As a result, they were protected by the miraculous power of God. Even though they were all wounded in battle, there was not one soul of them who did perish. So when life inflicts spiritual wounds on each of us, we can take courage. The message of Helaman's army is that there is a just God, and whosoever does not doubt will be preserved by his marvelous power. The first section of the lesson talks about how, when we have faith, we will be blessed by God's marvelous power. And it says this, Miraculous stories like the victories of Helaman's young warriors may be hard to relate to because they seem so improbable. But one reason such stories are in the scriptures is to show us that when we have faith, God can work miracles in our lives. And one thing I've come to realize studying the Book of Mormon this year that I never realized so clearly before is that the Book of Mormon is full of extreme examples of the types of things that happen in our lives all the time. There are small miracles that happen all the time in our lives if we just look for them. Last month my daughter was trying to figure out where she was going to live in the fall and she had an unexpected opportunity come up for her to move into a new apartment with a friend of hers. But first she needed to sell her current apartment that she hasn't even been living in because of COVID. So she prayed about what she should do. And she felt like if this new apartment was where she was supposed to be, then things would all work out. So one day she listed her apartment for sale online. She drove four hours down to Provo, ended up selling her current apartment within about five minutes of being there. She packed up all of her things by herself and drove four hours back home the same day. And that was a miraculous day for her. And we knew that the Lord had helped her to get that done. And as I look back over this year, as hard as it's been, I can think of several examples like that, where things have just worked out the way that they were supposed to, even though at the time, maybe we couldn't see how. And I tell my adult kids all the time, and I tell myself, if you do what's right, and you ask the Lord for help, you will end up exactly where you're supposed to be. And I fully believe that. This section of the lesson is all about the story of Helaman's 2000 Stripling Warriors. The people of Ammon, or the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, who had buried their weapons of war, were feeling pretty bad about the fact that the Nephites were having to fight so hard to defend everyone, including them, and that they weren't helping because they'd made an oath not to fight. And they became so concerned about this that they were about to break their oath and start fighting again. In verse 16 and 17 of chapter 53, it says this, But behold, it came to pass they had many sons who had not entered into a covenant that they would not take their weapons of war to defend themselves against their enemies. Therefore, they did assemble themselves together at this time, as many as were able to take up arms, and they called themselves Nephites. And they entered into a covenant to fight for the liberty of the Nephites, yea, to protect the land unto the laying down of their lives. Yea, even they covenanted that they never would give up their liberty but they would fight in all cases to protect the Nephites and themselves from bondage. These were 2,000 young men who had decided to fight for their families. It says that they were exceedingly valiant. They had courage and strength. They knew God and kept his commandments, and they were true to what they had been taught, and Helaman was their leader. This was a pretty small army compared to the Lamanite armies, but they had pretty much everything going for them as far as the things that are truly important. At one point, Helaman wrote a letter to Moroni and told him about his experience with his army. And here's what he says in chapter 56. He says, And now I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, that never had I seen so great courage, nay, not amongst all the Nephites. For as I had ever called them my sons, for they were all of them very young, even so they said unto me, Father, behold, our God is with us, and he will not suffer that we should fall. Then let us go forth we would not slay our brethren if they would let us alone therefore let us go lest they should overpower the army of antipas now they never had fought yet they did not fear death and they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives yea they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt god would deliver them and they rehearsed unto me the words of their mothers saying we do not doubt our mothers knew it there are so many things that i love in these scriptures I love how they say that our God is with us and he will not suffer that we should fall. They were in a scary situation, but they had faith and they knew that they were trying to do what they felt was right. And in doing that, they knew that the Lord would be with them. So whatever happened, it was going to be okay. I really admire their faith. I love how it talks about the fact that they had been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. And I think that's a pretty tender thing that they specifically mentioned their mothers these were young men. A lot of them were probably just boys. And in this scary time, they were helped by remembering their mothers and the faith that they had. Each one of us, whether we're mothers or not, have an influence on the people in our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting in my room, reading my scriptures, trying to get through last week's war chapters, and my 15-year-old daughter came in. And she was asking me if she could watch Netflix or something. And she noticed what I was doing And she said, oh, good job, mom. And then she left. No big deal. And I didn't think anything of it. And then the next day during our home church, that sweet girl bore her testimony about how she had seen me reading my scriptures and that it made her stop and think about how she was using her time. And the spirit really spoke to her about some things that maybe she needed to do differently. And she talked about how seeing me reading my scriptures had been such a great example to her. And she talked about how much she appreciated it. And I had no idea that what I happened to be doing had had such an impact on her. And my point in sharing that story is that the people around us see what we do, and it has an effect on them, whether we realize it or not. And that experience for me has really made me take notice of how I act and speak in my home about hard situations and about how I conduct myself. The Nephite army of Antipas was battling with the Lamanites, and things were not going well. Antipas himself had been killed, and his army was worn out. The Lamanites were in the process of attacking them when Helaman and his young army came up behind them. When the army of Antipas saw this, they got a second wind, and all of the Nephite army started to take over the Lamanites. In verses 55 and 56 of chapter 56 it says, And now it came to pass that when they had surrendered themselves up unto us, behold, I numbered those young men who had fought with me, fearing lest there were many of them slain. But behold, to my great joy, there had not one soul of them fallen to the earth. Yea, and they had fought as if with the strength of God. Yea, never were men known to have fought with such miraculous strength, and with such mighty power did they fall upon the Lamanites, that they did frighten them. And for this cause did the Lamanites deliver themselves up as prisoners of war. Each one of us has battles to fight every day. And when we face our days with courage, and remember what we've been taught, and ask the Lord for help, and look for help from the people around us, we will also have the very best outcome for ourselves. And that doesn't always mean that if we just have enough faith, that then our lives will be spared, or that things will work out exactly according to our plan for ourselves. I think having the best outcome means that we are following the Lord's plan for us. And as we've seen over these past five months, sometimes His plan looks very different than what we can see for ourselves. My older kids are getting ready to move back to college in a few weeks. And this week, my daughter and I were talking about this summer and how completely upside down it has been from what we thought it would be, especially for her. She had big plans for herself, and not one of them worked out like she thought they would. But in the end, she said something that I thought was really profound. She said, what I've gained this summer is so much greater than what I thought I had lost. She has grown in ways and had experiences and relationships that could not have happened if she had followed her own plan for herself. Our Heavenly Father knows us perfectly, and we can trust him and his plans for us. In chapter 57, Helaman's army was in another battle, and he talks again about his 2,060 young men. In verse 21, he says, Yea, and they did obey and observe to perform every word of command with exactness. Yea, and even according to their faith, it was done unto them. And I did remember the words which they said unto me that their mothers had taught them. This last Sunday was our first Sunday back at church, and we just met for sacrament meeting. We had one speaker, which happened to be my husband, and my son is the deacon's quorum president, so he had to work with all the boys to help them figure out how they were going to get the sacrament done with all the regulations. And one of those regulations is that if you come, you have to wear a mask the whole time. And to me, it just really seemed like a whole lot of work for such a short meeting, especially because our ward was still authorized to have the sacrament at home for people who didn't feel comfortable coming or who didn't want to deal with wearing a mask. And I really didn't figure that very many people would come. But as I got to the church, the parking lot was really full. And then I saw one of our ward members who has been very vocal about her disagreement with all of the COVID regulations. And she's been very vocal about being against wearing a mask. And I thought, oh, no, what's she going to do? And there she was, putting on her mask as she walked into the building. She was putting her own personal views aside to do what she was asked to do and to follow it with exactness. And that had a huge impact on me. I know that we are blessed when we try our best to do what we're asked to do. In verses 25 and 26 it says, And it came to pass that there were two hundred out of my two thousand and sixty who had fainted because of the loss of blood. Nevertheless, according to the goodness of God, and to our great astonishment, and also the joy of our whole army, there was not one soul of them who did perish, yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. And now their preservation was astonishing to our whole army, yea, that they should be spared, while there was a thousand of our brethren who were slain. And we do justly ascribe it to the miraculous power of God because of their exceeding faith in that which they had been taught to believe, that there was a just God, and whosoever did not doubt, that they should be preserved by his marvelous power. The last section of the lesson talks about how we can choose to think the best of others and not be offended. In chapter 58, Helaman writes a letter to Moroni, telling him about some of the battles that they were having, and also some of the struggles that they had had in getting enough food and support. So in chapter 59 Moroni writes a letter to the chief judge Pahoran asking for him to send support to Helaman's army so that they could defend the people of Nephiha. And Moroni assumed that they would be getting some help, but that didn't happen. No one came to help and the city of Nephiha was overtaken and many people died. And this made Moroni very angry. In his mind, the people in charge didn't seem to care one bit about defending their freedom. So in his frustration, he writes a scathing letter to Peyhoron. He calls him slothful. He tells him that he's sitting upon his throne in a thoughtless stupor. He straight up tells Pahoran that it's his fault that so many people have died. And he calls Pahoran a traitor. And then he says, And except ye do administer unto our relief, behold, I come unto you, even in the land of Zarahemla, and smite you with the sword, insomuch that ye can have no more power to impede the progress of this people in the cause of our freedom. Moroni was not happy. When Pahoran received this letter, he wrote back, And come to find out, Pahoran had been dealing with his own problems. The king men, who we talked about last week, finally got their way and took over, and they kicked Pahoran out of the judgment seat, and they appointed their own king, and made a deal with the king of the Lamanites that they weren't allowing any provisions to be sent to the Nephite armies. So Pahoran had to run away to another city just to save his own life. So how would you respond if you had been in this awful situation, trying to defend your own life? And in the midst of that, someone that you cared about sent you a letter calling you all sorts of names, telling you that you're a horrible person, and that if they ever see you again, they're going to smite you with their sword. (laughs) Pahoran had every reason to be offended. Nothing that Moroni accused him of was true. But in chapter 61, verse 9, this is his response. He says, And now, in your epistle, you have censured me, but it mattereth not. I am not angry, but do rejoice in the greatness of your heart. I, Pehorin, do not seek for power, save only to retain my judgment seat, that I may preserve the rights and the liberty of my people. My soul standeth fast in that liberty, in the which God hath made us free. Pehorin chose to focus on who Moroni was instead of what he said. He calls Moroni his beloved brother, and he makes a plan to try and get them both out of their bad situations. And I think there's a lot we can learn from this little exchange. First of all, In looking at all of Moroni's assumptions about Pahoran, sometimes we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. (laughs) Sometimes it's better to give people the benefit of the doubt instead of letting our anger or pride get the better of us and automatically assuming the worst of people or of situations. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and try to look at things objectively, or maybe try and see things from the other person's point of view. Pahoran is an awesome example of humility Instead of focusing on and becoming offended by all of Moroni's accusations, he chose to appreciate his passion for his cause. Instead of writing a scathing letter back telling Moroni how wrong he was, he just let that all go, and he focused on the problems that they were both facing and how to fix them. And because of Peyhorn's humility and Christ-like attitude, he and Moroni ended up joining forces, and in the end, they defeated the Lamanites, and Peyhorn was restored to his judgment seat. If Pahoran had chosen to be offended and ignore Moroni, this situation could have turned out very differently in a way that would have affected thousands and thousands of people. In the lesson, it references a talk by Elder Bednar, and he said this, When we believe or say we have been offended, we usually mean we feel insulted, mistreated, snubbed, or disrespected. And certainly, clumsy, embarrassing, unprincipled, and mean-spirited things do occur in our interactions with other people that would allow us to take offense. However, it ultimately is impossible for another person to offend you or to offend me. Indeed, believing that another person offended us is fundamentally false. To be offended is a choice we make. It is not a condition inflicted or imposed upon us by someone or something else. He goes on to say, In some way, and at some time, Someone in this church will do or say something that could be considered offensive. Such an event will surely happen to each and every one of us, and it certainly will occur more than once. Though people may not intend to injure or offend us, they nonetheless can be inconsiderate and tactless. You and I cannot control the intentions or behavior of the other people. However, we do determine how we will act. Please remember that you and I are agents endowed with moral agency, and we can choose not to be offended. These are true facts, and these are good things to think about right now in a world where every single thing that happens seems to be offensive to someone. We have power over the adversary and his negativity. As followers of our Savior Jesus Christ, we need to rise above the world's notion that everything that happens is someone else's fault and someone else's responsibility to fix. Our lives are infinitely better when we stop focusing so much on ourselves, but instead choose gratitude, choose to be happy. Choose to be kind and choose to serve others because it's in doing those things that we can truly find peace. And those are my thoughts for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly. You can find a transcript of this episode at ComeFollowMeWeekly.com or you can email me at CFMWeekly at gmail.com. I hope you all have a great week.